We amused ourselves as we proceeded in endeavoring to fashion some spoons from the fragments of the gourd rinds. I had the fancy to try my skill upon a piece of coconut, but I must needs confess that what we produced had not the least resemblance to those I had seen in the museum of, at London, and which were shown there as the work of some of the islanders of the southern seas. A European without instruments must always find himself excelled in such attempts by the superior adroitness and patience of savages. In this instance, too, of ourselves, we have the assistance of knives, while the savages have only flat stones with a sharp edge to work with. My attempt had been scarcely more successful than your own, I cried, and to eat soup with either your spoon or mine, we ought to have mouths extending from ear to ear. True enough, father, answered Fritz, but it is not my fault. In making mine, I took the curve of my bit of rind for a guide. If I had made it smaller, it would have been too flat, and it is still more difficult to eat with a shovel than with an oyster shell. But I am thinking that they may serve till I have improved upon my first attempt, and I am quite sure of the pleasure they will afford my mother. I imagine it pleases God sometimes to visit his creatures with difficulties, that they may learn to be satisfied with a little. This is an excellent remark, my boy, said I, and gives me more pleasure than a hundred crowns would do. Fritz burst into a fit of laughter. You do not rate my remark very high when you say this, father, cried he, for of what use would a hundred crowns be to you at present? If you had said a good soup or a hundred coconuts, I should be much prouder for having made it. But as it is, my son, you have a right to be proud. I am well pleased to find you are beginning to estimate things according to their real value and usefulness instead of considering them as good or bad like children, without understanding the true reason. Money is only a means of exchange in human society, but here on this solitary coast nature is more generous than man and asks no payments for the benefits she bestows. While these conversations and our labors had been going on, we had not neglected the great object of our pursuit, the making every practical search for our ship companions, but our endeavors, alas, were all in vain. After a walk of about four leagues in all, we arrived at a spot where a slip of land reached far out into the sea, on which we observed a rising piece of ground or hill. On a moment's reflection, we determined to ascend it, concluding we should obtain a clear view of all adjacent parts, which would save us the fatigue of further rambles. We accordingly accomplished the design. We did not reach the top of the hill without many efforts and a plentiful perspective but when there we beheld a wild and solitary beauty, comprehending a vast extent of land and water. It was, however, in vain that we used our telescope in all directions. No trace of man appeared. A truly embellished nature presented its, herself, and we were in the highest degree sensible of her thousand charms. The shore rounded by a bay of some extent, the bank of which ended in a promontory on the further side, the agreeable blue tint of its surface, the sea, gently agitated by waves in which the rays of the sun were reflected. The woods of variegated hues and verdure formed altogether a picture of such magnificence, of such new and exquisite delight, that if the recollection of our unfortunate companions engulfed perhaps in this very ocean had not intruded to depress our spirits, we should have yielded to the ex- to see the scene was calculated to inspire.
In reality, from this moment, we began to lose even the feeble hope we had entertained, and sadness stole involuntarily into our hearts. We, however, became but the more sensible of the goodness of the Lord in the special protection afforded to ourselves in conducting us to a home where there was no present cause of fear or danger from without, where we had not experienced the want of food, and where there was a prospect of future safety for us all. We had encountered no venomous or ferocious animals, and as far as our sight could yet reach, we were not threatened by the approach of savages. I remarked to Fritz that we seemed destined to a solitary life, and that it was a rich country which appeared to be allotted us for a habitation. At least, my son, our habitation it must be, unless some vessel should happen to put on the same coast and be in a condition to take us back to our native land. And God's will be done, added I, for he knows what is best for us. Having left our native country fixed in the intention of inhabiting some pro soil, it was natural at first to encounter difficult adventures. Let us therefore consider our situation as no disappointment in any essential respect. We can pursue our scheme for agriculture. We shall learn to invent arts. Our only want is numbers. As for me, answered Fritz, I care but little about being so few of us. If I have the happiness of seeing you and my mother well in health and easy, I shall not give myself much uneasiness about those wicked, unkind ship companions of ours. No, my boy, they were not all bad people, and they would have become better men here because not exposed to the temptations of the world. Common interests united ex mutual services and counsels with the reflections which would have grown in such a state as this tend to improvement of the heart's affections. We, however, of ourselves observed Fritz, form a larger society than was the lot of Adam before he had children, and as we grow older we will perform all the necessary labor while you and my mother enjoy ease and quiet. Your assurances are as kind as I can desire, and they encourage me to struggle with what hardships may present themselves. Who can foresee in what manner it may be the will of heaven to dispose of us? In times of old, God said to one of his chosen, I will cause a great nation to, to descend from thy loins. And why may not we too become patriarchs, Father? Why not, you ask, and I have not now time to answer. But come, my young patriarch, let us find a shady spot that we may not be consumed with the fierce heat of the sun before the patriarchal condition can be conferred upon us. Look yonder at that inviting wood. Let us hasten thither, thither to take a little rest, then eat our dinner, and return to our dear expecting family. We descended the hill and made our way to a wood of palms, which I had just pointed out to Fritz. Our path was clothed with reeds entwined with other plants, which greatly obstructed our march. We advanced slowly and cautiously, fearing at every step to receive a mortal bite from some serpent that might be concealed among them. We made Turk go before to give us timely notice of anything dangerous. I also cut a reed stalk of uncommon length and thickness for my defense against any enemy. It was not without surprise that I perceived a glutinous sap proceeded from the divided end of the stalk. Prompted by curiosity, I tasted tasted this liquid, and found it sweet and of a pleasant flavor, so that not a doubt remained that we were passing through a plantation of sugar canes. I again applied the cane to my lips, and sucked it for some moments, and felt singularly refreshed and strengthened. 
I determined not to tell Fritz immediately of the fortunate discovery I had made, preferring that he should find it out himself. As he was at some distance before me, I called out to him to cut a reed for his defense. This he did, and without any remark, used it simply for a stick, striking lustily with it on all sides to clear a passage. The motion occasioned the sap to run out abundantly upon his hand, and he stopped to examine so strange a circumstance. He lifted it up, and still a larger quantity escaped. He now tasted what was on his fingers. Oh, then, for the exclamations, Father, Father, I have found some sugar, some syrup. I have a sugar cane in my hand. Run quickly, Father. We were soon together, jointly partaking of the pleasure we had in store for his dear mother and his younger brothers. In the meantime, Fritz kept sucking the juice of the single cane he had cut, to his relish for it was appeased. I thought this a profitable moment to say a word about excesses, of the wisdom of husbanding, even our lawful pleasures, of the advantage of moderation in our most rational enjoyments. But, Father, we will take home a good provision of sugar canes, however. I shall only just taste of them once or twice as I walk along, but it will be so delightful to regale my mother and my little brothers with them. I have no objection, but do not take too heavy a load, for you have other things to carry, and we have yet far to go. Counsel was given in vain. He persisted in cutting at least a dozen of the largest canes, tore off their leaves, tied them together, and putting them under his arm, dragged them as well as he was able, through thick and thin, to the end of the plantation. We regained the wood of palms without accident. Here we stretched our limbs in the shade and finished our repast. We were scarcely settled when a great number of large monkeys, terrified by the sight of us and the barking of Turks, stole so nimbly, yet so quietly up the trees that we scarcely perceived them till they had reached the topmost parts. From this height they fixed their eyes upon us, grinding their teeth, making horrible grimaces, and saluting us with screams of hostile import. Being now satisfied that the trees were palms bearing coconuts, I conceived the hope of obtaining some of this fruit in a milky state through the monkeys. Fritz, on his part, prepared to shoot at them instantly. He threw his burdens on the ground, and it was with difficulty I, by pulling his arm, could prevent him from faring. Oh, father, why did you not let me fare? Monkeys are such malicious, mischievous animals. Look how they raise their backs in derision of us. And is it possible that this can excite your vengeance, my most reasonable Mr. Fritz? To say the truth, I have no predilection for monkeys, who, as you say, are naturally prone to be malicious, but as long as an animal does no injury, or that his death can in no shape be useful in preserving our own lives, we have no right to destroy it, and still less to torment it for our amusement or for an insensate desire of revenge. But what will you say if I show you that we may find means to make living mo monkeys contribute to our service? See what I am going to do, but step aside for fear of your head. If I succeed, the monkeys will furnish us with plenty of our much-desired coconuts. I now began to throw some stones at the monkeys, and though I could not make them reach to half the height at which they had taken re refuge, they showed every mark of excessive anger. With their accustomed trick of imitation, they furiously tore off, nut by nut, all that grew upon the branches near them, to hurl them down upon us, so that it was with difficulty we avoided the blows, and in a short time a great number of coconuts lay on the ground round us. Fritz laughed heartily at the excellent success of our stratagem, and as the share of coconuts began to subside, we sat about collecting them. We chose a piece where we place where we could repose at our ease to feast on this rich harvest. 
We open the shells with a hatchet, but first enjoy the sucking of the mount through the three small holes, where we found it easy to insert the point of a knife. The milk of the coconut has not a pleasant flavor, but it is excellent for quenching thirst. What we liked best was a kind of solid cream which adheres to the shell, and which we scraped off with our spoons. We mixed it with it a little of the sap of our sugar canes, and it made a delicious repast. Our meal being finished, we prepared to leave the wood of palms. I tied all the coconuts which had stalks together, and threw them across my shoulder. Fritz resumed his bundle of sugar canes. We divided the rest of the things between us, and continued our way towards...